0: Bullshit. It's the BS Marketing Show. I'm Dave Mastovich, CEO of Mass Solutions, the world's only no bullshit marketing firm. Today I'm excited to have Ed Shriver of Strata Architects. Ed has an illustrious career, he's helped change uh, Pittsburgh with many of the cool looks of the buildings that he and Strata have been involved in. Some of the recent ones that we're going to talk about today is Market Square Place in downtown Pittsburgh, Uber Advanced Technologies also in Pittsburgh, and North Shore Place where there's a purgatory that I hit every chance I get. Those are just the three that I like. So we'll talk about plenty more from Ed. Ed Traver, welcome to the show. Thank you. Ed, You and I talked before the show, and I said I always start with that first question that gets you to really talk about leadership and communication and your career path, your journey. So Mm -hmm. let us hear it from the beginning.
1: All right. Well, graduated from Carnegie Mellon with a degree in architecture in. Don't have to to give the date. That's 76.
0: All right. I was trying to help you out. Good
1: year. Uh, seventy six bicentennial year got a job with a small architectural firm. He was actually quite a trendsetter. He was one of the first architects to design and build his own designs, so he would build houses and uh small offices. He'd design them, and then he would be the contractor as well. So he'd build them, and now we call that design-build. But back then, Joel was way ahead of the curve. What was the name of the firm? Joel Cronick, Architects. And he hired me right out of school to be a construction foreman. So he was building a an expensive house over in Shadyside and renovating a warehouse in... Uh, East Oakland into office space. And I was running both of those projects, those, both of those construction projects. And it was quite a challenge for a 18-year-old kid coming out of college to be telling a bunch of 30, 40-year-old construction workers, do this, don't do that. And they would just look at you and say, who the hell are you? <laughs> what, do you what do you know? And I was, I was working like a dog. And ended up one day when I got on the phone to call the uh, suppliers because I needed more drywall. And I called the guy up and I said, I need drywall, uh, truckloaded drywall. Can you get it here tomorrow? And the guy said, you do realize tomorrow is the 4th of July, right? And I said, oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> I was completely lost track of what time it was, what day it was. I was just completely absorbed with the job. And my best friend at the time, classmate of mine, had just signed up to go into the Army because he had to pay off his college loans. My parents, God bless them, paid the whole ticket for me to go to CMU. And Ray went into the Army to pay off his student loans. And I, I was Sitting there, realizing that tomorrow is the 4th of July, and I didn't know that. And I'm thinking, I got to get a new job. (laughs) I got to do something else for a while. I'm not even sure I want to be an architect. And so I joined the Army. And fortunately for me, it was right at the tail end of Vietnam. So they weren't sending new people over to Vietnam, but there were still people coming out of it. And I went in as a combat engineer to blow things up. And my ultimate goal was to be a Green Beret. So I went to school for demolition, combat engineers. Then I went to Fort Benning for paratrooper training. And then they shipped me to Bragg, Fort Bragg, for special forces training. And about 25% of the way through the training, At a training exercise and I tore up my knees terribly and the doctors said, well, here's your options. We can send you to Walter Reed where they'll take your knees apart, grind down the backs of your kneecaps, put some steel pins back in them and you'll be able to jump. Or we can put you in casts for six weeks and your knees will heal normally, but you'll never be able to jump again. Now, I have a fear of heights, so jumping out of airplanes was really hard. (laughs) So when the doctor said, this is your choice, and I'm thinking, I would never have to jump out of an airplane again. Uh, (laughs) And and then the next thought was, okay, 50% of the United States Army at this point is in Germany, and 25% of it is in Korea, and 25% of it is in the United States. So I got a 50-50 chance of going to Germany. (laughs) On Uncle Sam. I said, I'm out of here. <laughs> so I spent the rest of the time in Germany working as a regular grunt, blowing up stuff. All right. Hold up. You were going on the first path <laughs> and then you took a
0: turn that I, I got to say, I'm, I, I was completely taken by surprise. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to, so it's July 3rd and you're unhappy with your job and you go, I'm unhappy with my job. You don't go out drinking and have a binge. You go join the army. Mm-hmm. So, but let's even go back before that. So you got the drywall on July 5th, though. They brought the truck of drywall. You didn't quit on the spot. Right. And those houses got built and everything. Mm-hmm. All right. So tell me when you decide to make this huge decision after going to Carnegie Mellon, great school, architect, you have your first job. It's frustrating. It's not going the way you want mm-hmm. it to. And you decide to go to the army. Walk me through how
1: long that was and was it agonizing? Was it easy? It was easier than you might think. It was a lot of and yes, there was some beers consumed with some of my friends, but I spent a lot of time thinking and talking to my friends about, is this really what I want to do? I mean, when I went to architecture school, you know, I I had pictures of Frank Lloyd Wright houses in in my mind and doing really cool stuff in New York City. And what I was realizing fairly quickly is most of architecture is really mundane, technical, how to build a wall, how to read the code, you know, how to draft and put together specifications and things like that. And when I got out into the field, it's, Like, how do you get people to do what you know they need to do? And the realization was, I didn't know that. I don't know how to do that. And the Army was a logical place to find out how to lead, how to manage. And that's really kind of the the bottom line. I didn't think I could be a successful architect until I learned how to lead,
0: This show's about leadership and communication, that's why I wanted to make sure we got through that and got to that point, because I think that's a a huge point that when you graduate from school, when you go to college or whatever you do after high school, when you start working, that's one of the things that we tell people is there's project management in any profession, Mm -hmm. there's leadership in any profession, communication in any profession, and this glamorous thing about marketing, this glamorous thing about architecture, law, whatever your profession is that you're trained on, is just that. It's the glamorous small piece that you see, and there's all this other stuff that has to happen. So you go to the Army to learn about leadership, and I do just want to spend a minute. How did you get injured?
1: How did you get the knee injuries? (laughs) We were out in the Uari Forest in central North Carolina, and it was raining hard, and they have an obstacle course. And of course, since this is special forces training, it's an obstacle course on steroids. And the instructor was a little bit annoyed, apparently, with the class. And so he said, okay, twice around the obstacle course, in the rain, in the mud, and we're timing everybody on how fast you get through this thing. And I came to an obstacle, well, called the motherfucker. Uh, It's a podcast. Yeah, there you go. go You can edit out anything you like. Um, But it's, it's basically three bars, one of which is about ankle high, one of which is about belt high, and one of which is about shoulder high. And they're about two feet, three feet apart. So the idea is that you run up, step on the first bar, jump up to the second bar, step up on top of that and jump onto the top bar and then flip yourself over. And I got through the first time, but the second time with all the mud and being tired and everything, when I hit that first low bar, my legs went left and right instead of forward. Oh. And so, so yeah, that was a 45-minute ambulance drive into Fort Bragg. And yeah, it was- and We didn't have the surgery we do now. Well, the other part of it was, this is, this is right at the end of Vietnam. They were going to, they, they said, we'll send you to Walter Reed, which means basically you get the best combat surgeons in the world to work on you, but they're combat surgeons they're not orthopedics specialists. <laughs> they're people who are used to taking bullets out of your bones, mm-hmm. not
0: mm-hmm.
1: not warped kneecaps. So it was it was uh, a pretty easy choice actually.
0: So you have a you have an interesting 5 years or so or 6 years or so going to school The gratification of that, get the first job. The first job is a miserable experience. You're having to lead people that aren't listening. They're double, triple your age. They're from a tough blue collar environment. So -hmm. you decide to join the army. That's going well. And then you run into the motherfucker (laughs) and (laughs) you lose your knees. And so now Mm -hmm. you come back
1: and how long until you're healed and what happens next? About six weeks in the casts. And then when you join the Army, you sign a contract. And the contract says, if you do this and this, then we will do this and that. Well, my this and that was I had to go to through this training and be jump qualified to be Green Beret. Since I couldn't be a Green Beret because I couldn't be in jump status anymore, the Army gets free shot at you. We get to send you wherever. <laughs> so that was the 50%... Germany, twenty-five percent curry of twenty-five percent U.S. I'm thinking, okay, I got a seventy-five percent of chance of going overseas. That's a good thing for me, or twenty-five percent chance of getting stuck in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, <laughs> for three years. That was the negative side. But they sent me to Germany, and I spent two years in a place called Aschaffenburg, which is forty kilometers east of Frankfurt beautiful little German town, and I was the only enlisted man in my company with a college degree. So I related better to the officers than to most of the troops in in my unit, but I was always in this enlisted positions. So my company commanders would, would put me in these weird positions like company is about 80 people. And there's a company commander, and then there's platoon leaders, and they're officers. And then there is a staff sergeant or a master sergeant who is the highest enlisted man in that company. At that time, my company didn't have a senior sergeant to fill that spot. So they said, well, you've got a college degree. You can do this. So... (laughs) I've now been in the Army about eight months and I'm the senior enlisted man in the company. Not because I've earned it, but because I have a college degree and nobody else does. So for a while, I was the operation sergeant. For a while, I was the commo sergeant. For a while, I was the armorer, which means I was in charge of all the guns. Do you think this helps you with your leadership skills that you Uh, didn't have when you were at the first job? Yeah, probably. Certainly learned flexibility. (laughs) But it was good training. I I went through NCO, NCO, non-commissioned officer training, uh, which is probably where I learned the most about management and leadership and and such. You know, in the Army, they've got to train you to be able to respond to the guy in charge gets killed. What do you do now? In fact, you know, the rule is... You have to learn the job of the person above you, and you have to teach your job to the person below you. That goes for everybody, whether you're a combat engineer or a nurse or anything. And it's a great rule. There was a mantra that they taught us about, take care of the people because, take care of your people because without your people, you can't accomplish anything. Then take care of the mission because that's your whole purpose. And... So they taught you a lot of really sort of fundamental, but core leadership rules Values. That, that helped a lot. Hear more of my conversation with
0: Ed Shriver of Strata on part two of the No BS Marketing Show.